0: love open your bibles this morning please to the first book of the bible genesis chapter number 2 genesis chapter number 2 i want to speak to you this morning on the subject of domestic divine design This being Mother's Day, I can assure you that someone, somewhere, will be preaching this morning on the subject, Help for the Home. Another preacher might be preaching a message entitled, Model Mothers. I don't mean the kind that are in the modeling business, by the way. I hope they don't. And uh, there's no doubt about it. The home, the family, and an institution needs help. The problem is, how do you help people who are so confused as we are here in America today, people confused about gender, sex, marriage, morals? Uh, just this last week, I happened to click on the dictionary to check the spelling of a word, as I often am forced to do. <clears throat> But I just happened to notice right up the top of the page there on the dictionary, it said, Trending Now. I never really noticed that before. It has to do with words people are looking up. The first word on the list was pansexual. And I thought, my Lord, help us. The first word, Trending Now, people across, I guess, around the world that's... uh, that's using Webster's Dictionary, uh, that is the, the trending now word. So it just goes to show us that we live in a world that is corrupt and confused and uh, a world that rejects the truth about absolute truth. And so how do you communicate with people that do not believe in in absolute truth? Uh you know, I, I'd love to say something to, You know, that would really be helpful to your home this morning. I, I could give you the history of Mother's Day. I've done that in years gone by. Or we could interject some humor uh, into the subject. That can get really dangerous at times, by the way. Uh, I, I could just, you know, spend the next 30 minutes or so honoring mothers in whatever way. Uh, but I want to—I I, want to see you happy rather than hurting. And I'm going to be honest with you: if we're going to find any help for the home, it's going to have to be in the Word of God. And for that help, we need to go all the way back to the beginning. And that's why it's essential that we turn in our Bibles all the way back here uh, to the to the second chapter and. And I don't mean to be ugly when I make this next remark, but if you're here today and you don't believe the Bible and you're not willing to be open-minded and accept what the Bible says, I've got to tell you, I I, I can't offer you any help. I really can't. I can't do anything. I, I can pray for you and hopefully, you know, the Lord will open your eyes and help you to understand. But let me ask you this question. If we don't find what we need, if we don't find the truth in the Bible, where do we find it? Where do we find it? And if there is no such thing as absolute truth, in other words, there is no sure standard of right and wrong, then wouldn't it be safe to say that everybody is free to do as they please? That means one person's opinion just as good as another person's opinion. And what I choose to do might not be pleasing to you. What some people choose to do might even kill you. So surely we all see that there has to be some kind of standard of right and wrong. And I make no apology when I say that I believe the Bible is that standard by which we all should live. This is not... not technically a message about how to have a happy home. It's not technically a message about how to have a successful marriage. All of those are fine. But this message is more foundational. And and, and I say that because if we get this right, all of the rest will take care of itself. If we get this right, the basic building blocks, the fundamental Foundation of the family, if we get that right, we'll have happy homes. Things will be as they ought to be. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18 is where we begin our reading this morning. And the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave name to all of the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and they were not ashamed. Now going back to the beginning and looking at these basic building blocks, and you know, these are the fundamental things. You you could say this, the Bible is God's marriage manual. If you have children, you know what it is, to, you know, Christmas time or birthdays, you buy them a gift and it says, oftentimes it'll say, you know, little assembly required. Don't ever believe that. And you open it up and, and you know, especially us men, we're really bad about this. We don't think we need any directions. You open it up and you throw them to the side And you just start putting things together and then about halfway through when you realize you're going to have parts left over and nothing's fitting, you finally get the idea, maybe I better look at the instructions. Well, that's what we need to do in regards to the matter of the family. We need to look at the instructions. And these are the very basic things in regards to marriage and the family. First of all, I want you to notice, the first thing that we need to to call our attention to is the idea for marriage and family. Now, look, this wasn't something that man thought of. Uh, it was entirely God's idea. It would really be better if we call this a plan instead of an idea. Because, you know, with God... Uh, Whenever he has an idea or a thought that he puts it into action, it's a it's a plan. But but that being the case, if this is God's idea, then we don't have any right to ignore it. We don't have any right to change anything about it if it's God's idea. See, marriage is the first and the oldest institution that was created by God. It is the very foundation of the family. It's the cornerstone of all society. So I mention this because we need to understand that marriage is what God says it is, not what man says it is. And if we get this wrong, nothing else in society is going to go right. And it's out of the depths of God's great wisdom that God designed and then God defined the family and what a marriage is we'll see that in the last two verses here of this chapter in just a minute. God gives us the definition, he lays it out. This is his idea. It wasn't that, you know, that uh, that Adam was wondering what to do and he came up with this idea and said, "Lord, I know exactly what you need to do. May I offer you some suggestions?" Adam didn't have a clue what was going on. Uh, you know and uh, and so it's all was with god but god not only had the idea the initiative for marriage began with god in other words god didn't just give adam an idea and then say look i got a, I got a, an idea some suggestions now i'm going to leave the rest up to you in other words we see God's involvement in marriage and I want you to notice each step of this there notice in verse number 18 the very first part of it what God did and maybe you've never noticed the connection before but it says the Lord God said it's not good that man should be alone it's not good that man should be alone A- Adam didn't figure that out on his own he you know, he might have thought everything was fine. I mean, there's old Adam right there, you know, in the middle of the Garden of Eden, everything, the luscious fruit, everything is just wonderful. And, boy, it's a beautiful day. There's no rain in sight or anything like that whatsoever. It's just, I mean, a great day. And if the Lord said, Adam, how's your day going so far? He might have said, boy, I'll tell you, it's just perfect. Everything is just fine with me. But God knew better. You see, God saw the need before Adam knew he had a need. God realized that and so he counseled he counseled Adam here about his loneliness. He's telling Adam it's not good for man to be alone. And then notice the last part of that same verse. He committed to providing a helper for Adam. He didn't just say, you know, Adam it's really not good for man to be alone. Uh, boy so you know, I hate it that I just quit with my work of creation. I, but I'm through, and you got to live with what you got. Notice the next thing he did, having given that counsel. Notice he makes this commitment. He says, "I will make and help meet for him." You know, and I can't help but wonder what Adam is wondering at this point. <laughs> what? What? What does he mean? What's this going to be like? But notice in the next two verses, God created a longing in Adam. I don't need to read the verses. I just did. But God, notice, gave Adam the responsibility of naming all of the animals on earth. And that's more important than you might think because God is actually teaching Adam in this process. Notice that Adam is being invested with authority for one thing. Authority over all of the beasts of the field. Authority over all of creation. But he's learning to be a leader, but there's more to to it than that. God knew that in this experience, that it would create in Adam a longing, that is a desire for a companion. And that's exactly what happened. Adam got through naming all of the animals and, you know, he looked around and he thought, wait a minute, there's two, uh, two elephants, two two lions, two tigers, there's two of everything except me, and here I am just all by myself, and that created in him a longing to make him realize that he had a need that he really didn't recognize until now. But then, having given him this counsel and making this commitment and creating a longing in Adam, God carried through on his promise. Notice verse number 21, what he says. "And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. Now, I want you to notice that God didn't ask for Adam's advice, opinion, or preferences. He knew exactly what was needed. He he didn't say, now, Adam... I'm going to make a helpmeet for you. I'm going to give you a companion. What's your preference, brunette, redhead, or blonde? <laughs> five four or five eight? I mean, he didn't ask him anything about his preference. God knew exactly what he needed, and so while Adam is sleeping, God performs surgery. He took a rib, that is that part of him that was close to the heart. And he took that rib, and from the rib, God made Eve a helper, a helper that would complete him, compliment him, not in the complimentary sense, but to compliment him, you know, in the sense of being his completer, the one that would be there to help him in his time of need. And there again, can you imagine, Adam wakes up from his sleep. And there's Eve. Wonder what he thought about that. Well, I kind of know. Notice verse number 23. And Adam said, and you need to underline this word, this, notice, the word is is italicized. That is, it's not in the original. It's inserted there by the translators for our understanding. But, but notice the first word. This is the first word ever recorded of, of man. The first spoken word of man. And he said this, which literally means here now, or this one, or at last. And if you want to put this in real modern English, and I'm not stretching the truth when I say it, it's Eureka! I found it! Yahoo! Literally! I'm talking about those that are experts in the Hebrew language said, Yahoo is a great translation of this word. So this picture Adam there and he awakens, And he didn't say, oh man, my side hurts. This surgery stuff isn't what it's cracked up to be. He said, yahoo! This is it! And notice what he did. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Literally in the Hebrew means she man. The old Anglo-Saxon word, woman, simply means womb man, or man with a womb. And, and, and the importance of this is that Adam recognized her to be similar but different. you get that? Now remember, we're talking about those basic building blocks of a family and what it takes for us to be on the right page and for the family to be what God said it was. And in this name, Adam is saying that she's similar, but she's different. There's so many women today that get so bent out of shape at the thought of being different than men. And there's a few really mixed up men that evidently is not pleased with that, and would rather be a woman. and. We've got we've got this mixed up society today and then you have these women that they resent the idea that you mean I'm supposed to be in submission to my husband. Well Yes. <laughs> That's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't look it doesn't mean your husband is smarter, it doesn't mean he's better. It means for the sake of having order and peace. There has to be some line of authority. And Adam is recognizing there is a difference. There's a, not a difference in who is better or smarter, but a difference in, in God's plan for our life. She shall be called woman, Adam said. Now I want you to notice the intent. Verse number 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now you see, we don't have to guess what God's desire is, or what God expects. Because the Bible shows us the purpose, it shows us the plan, and it shows us the permanence of marriage. And there are three things here that we need to remember. Notice first of all, it says that a man is to leave now remember adam doesn't have a father or a mother so we we need to take this as a pattern for what we ought to do and the point of it is that marriage changes our primary relationship so now our main interest shifts from a person's parents to His or her spouse. We leave. There is a new family unit that begins at the moment of marriage. Before I was married, the most important woman in this world was my, my mother. Since I've been married, the most important woman in this world is my wife. I love all of my eight children. Love all of them. They don't love any of them as much as I do their mother. And they know that. I've made that clear the best I can because she's the most important person in this world to me. Amen. And one of the problems in marriages today, we've got in-laws and outlaws, you know, that don't want to disengage. They, they want to stay involved in everything. We've got too many, too many husbands and wives that's constantly running back home to get advice or help. You know, it's a wonderful thing to have a mother, you know, that you can lean upon until the day that you die. There's nobody that'll ever take her place. But I'm telling you, when the Bible talks about you leaving. It's talking about you in this new relationship having as your primary responsibility that to your husband or to your wife. Leave. But notice secondly it says, and cleave. That literally means to be glued to. To be glued to. To glue oneself to something. And this is a pattern when it comes to marriage. It, It doesn't just change our primary relationship but you, you could say when you get married, you're stuck with what you got. <laughs> you better be careful, Ron. <laughs> She's sitting there close to you, within reach of you. What's the, <laughs> the point is, it's to be permanent. Jesus made it perfectly clear in regards to this matter of divorce: Let not man put asunder that which God, you know, has put together. It it, it just it, it shouldn't happen. Cleave. The problem is because of selfishness and pride and 411 other things, people keep coming unglued, and as a result, you've got all of this tension in the home. All of this resentment build up one between another and, and then the family begins to fragment. But if we do it God's way, we leave and we cleave. And then notice he says, and they shall be one flesh. That's speaking about a, a partnership. And, and notice he says here in this verse, wife, not Wives. Isn't that what it says? He shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is talking about an intimate relationship. In other words, listen, this is a picture of of the union of Christ and the Christian. It is a type of Christ and His bride, the church. In other words, it is the most intimate relationship on the earth. They two shall be one flesh. Well, it really begins to sink in whenever you've been married as long as you know Bev and I have, and and you begin to become one another. You you begin to you know think alike. I mean, you can't even hide your thoughts anymore because you know they know you so well. They know what you're thinking and. I mean, you just become one flesh. That's why I often think about those that have lost their spouse, have passed away, and to, and to think about that, that separation. But instead of staying focused on that, we need to think about how precious that union is between a husband and a wife. Now, if this wasn't Mother's Day and I had another 30 minutes or so, what I could do is add another point to this. And that has to do with the instructions related to marriage. And that's found throughout the Bible here. I'm not going to try to give you all of the instructions. I just want to remind you that all of the instructions are given here in the Word of God. And like I said at the very beginning, this is not... This is not a message about how to have a happy home. It's a message about the family's foundation, the basic building blocks, and I don't have a bag of tricks to fix your family and to mend your marriage. I I can only tell you this, that, that every failed marriage happens because the things that I've just mentioned have been ignored. And whenever we ignore these standards, these rules, these guidelines and so forth that God has given us, folks, it's going to end in disaster. But it's when we build our family upon this foundation, and when every member of the family does their part, we can rest assured that we'll we'll have the kind of family and the kind of marriage that God wants us to have. Now, this all boils down to two things. Number one is that to have the right kind of marriage and the right kind of a family, you need a right kind of relationship with God. You can attend every marriage seminar that's ever been conducted, read every book that has ever been written, listen to every tape, that has ever been recorded in regards to this subject and still fail in your marriage if you don't know Christ as your Savior. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can never be the loving spouse that you need to be. You can never be the parent that you need to be. Oh, you can love your children the best that you can, which isn't really technically even genuine love in the strictest sense of the word because until we know Christ is our Savior, we don't have the capacity for that kind of love. And so if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior, please understand that nothing else is going to work until that happens. And secondly, not only do you need a right relationship with God, you need a right relationship with others in your family, whether it 's your husband or whether it 's your wife, you need a right relationship with them and that opens a, a big can of worms when we talk about that because so many times we have these divisions in the home and strife in the home and, and you know sometimes we realize that 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 our family is falling apart, that things are not as they ought to be, and and so we get busy trying to do what? Trying to fix the problem and usually in our mind that problem is somebody else. But you can't change anybody else. If my wife decided tomorrow I've had it, and I'm out of here, I'm gonna leave, there's not a thing in the world I could do about it unless I wanted to end up in prison. I couldn't do anything about that. I couldn't stop her. I could cry and weep, but I couldn't stop her. You see, I, 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 I can't change anybody but myself. So the only hope for there to be changes in our family, in our marriage, is for us to focus on, on making changes in our own life and that involves a lot of things it might involve the matter of forgiveness someone you love dearly has hurt you deeply and they just go on hurting you deeply we've got to get to the point that we're willing to forgive one another even when they don't deserve it or we'll we'll listen we'll never get beyond where we are Love must be exercised. God has to be obeyed. Hardships have to be endured. Because I'll tell you right now, regardless of who it is, there's no one in a marriage that's going to have it easy all of their life. There are going to be hardships. There are going to be arguments. I still believe that fellow that told me a few years ago that he and and his wife had never had an argument. They'd been married several years, by the way. Had children. Never had an argument. Well, they must live in different houses or something. (laughs) Because I have really probably more disagreements with my wife than anybody else. That's because I'm with her all of the time. But you can't let those you can't let those differences and what have you get all blown out of proportion to the point that it's going to destroy your marriage and so we have to endure those hardships. We have to live with those hardships a lot of times. And as we're doing so, we have to maintain a line of communication with one another. So I have no idea this morning what it would take for you to have a happy home, a successful marriage. Because I don't, I don't know the exact nature of your problem, but I just know it all boils down to those two things. Number one, having a right relationship with God. Because if you're out of the will of God, nothing else is going to go right in your family. And secondly, for you to be right, and if you're with others, and if you're not right, get right. You know there, there there might be some children here in this service this morning. You need to go to mom. Maybe you need to go mom and dad, and let them know I am so sorry for the manner in which I've conducted myself, and I'm making it right with God this morning. And I want you to please forgive me for the way that I've treated you. Might be a husband or a wife that needs to go to their spouse this morning. Say, I'm so sorry for the manner in which I've treated you. I, 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 I just don't know what it is, but I do know, I do know when we do it God's way, and we build our marriage and build our family on the principles in this blessed old book I hold in my hand. Then, and only then, can we expect our marriage and our family to be what it, what it ought to be. And. And that will make for a happy Mother's Day, a happy Father's Day, or, or every day. Every day. It works. So what about your relationship with the Lord? Do you know Christ is your Savior? If you don't, would you come this morning and you say, well, Brother Stone, I, I, it's a great idea to become a Christian, but I don't know what to do. Well, let me really... Narrow it down for you. And it's not my idea, it's what the Bible says. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Amen. That's more than just giving your mental assent to historical facts. That word believe means to trust, to place your faith in, Amen. to trust Him as your Lord and your Savior. And I promise you, if you do that, you'll leave here a brand new person. All your sins forgiven and heaven is your home. And if you're here today and you know that you're saved, but and it might be that you're the main part of the problem in your family, it might be you're not. It might be somebody else. And you just want to pray that God will help you, that God will use you, To make changes in your life that will will help your home, your family be what it ought to be. I hope you'll do that while we stand. Father, how we thank You, Lord, for not giving us just a few suggestions. How we thank You, Lord, this morning for uh, not just... uh, patting us on the back and saying try hard as you can. But Lord, we're so grateful that You've laid down these, these laws, these rules, these commandments related to our own happiness. And I pray that You'll help each one of us see that this morning. And Lord, that each one of us might depend upon You, trust You, trust You to give us the strength to conform our ways to Your Word that we might become the person that You would have us to be. Lord, if there are homes here this morning that are tottering on the brink, homes that are torn apart, there are hearts that have been broken, and, and I just pray this morning that You'll minister to those people in some special way. Heavenly Father, for the person that's here today that's never received Christ as their Savior, may this be the day. And for every mother here today, I pray that You will will bless them in some special way on this, their day. And just supply their need. And help them to realize that their labor in the Lord is not in vain although it might seem to go unappreciated here, that in heaven they have their reward. Thank You for that promise, Lord. Now bless us because we beg it in Jesus' name. Amen. While we stand and as we sing together, would You come?